1: Welcome back to Ladies Who Law School Podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Sam. And we have a very special guest today. She is
0: from Birmingham, Alabama. She has a YouTube channel that I'm sure a lot of you have checked out because I remember back when I was applying to law schools, she was one of the YouTubers that I used to watch. So without further ado... Welcome, Miss Cameron Monet. Okay. So, Miss Cameron, tell
2: us a little bit about yourself. Oh, it's the hardest question we all get when we do an right? interview. We <laughs> um,
0: interview.
2: My name is Cameron, Cameron Monet, on my social media platforms. I am 27 years old. I am a licensed attorney in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm originally from Flint, Michigan, and I'm currently living in Birmingham, Alabama. So aside from being an attorney, I'm also a content creator, which I absolutely love. I'm also a social media strategist for lawyers, law firms, and solo practitioners to help them build their branding and social media presence online. In the content space, I talk about life as a lawyer, getting through law school, as well as fashion, makeup, and hair content. I love that. So where did you go to undergrad I went to Kennesaw State University and I majored in political science with a minor in criminology. Very cool. So then you went to law school straight after undergrad, right? So I actually took a gap year. So I took a year off unintentionally. I took the LSAT and then like my score, which is the law school admissions test, So I decided to take a year off. And during that year, I worked at a law firm in Atlanta. So it actually was helpful because it gave me time to not only relax before I jumped into the craziness of law school, but also to see if that's something that I'd actually like on a practical sense. So I was a legal assistant at a personal injury law firm. Will you tell us a little bit about your experience, like
1: what you did and, you know, what your thoughts were? Because I know a lot of people try to decide between doing a gap year and like going to work at a law firm. We I know we suggest that because you never really, you know, if you're unsure of what to do, maybe you could do that. So we talk about that a little.
2: Absolutely. So I will say after practicing and being a law clerk and being a legal assistant, each level is different. So you never really know till you're doing that specific position, but it's helpful to see the other people in those positions you desire. So as a legal assistant coming out of undergrad, I was able to see also with legal assistant in undergrad, but I was able to see how did lawyers, what did that job look like? What did they do? Were they stressed? How did they handle that? Were there days where they could just be like tap out because they were too stressed? Were there days where they just had to kind of push through because of the amount of work they had to get done as well as seeing law clerks. So I actually met some law clerks while I was a legal assistant to see how was law school? How did that look like when you were practicing while still in law school and things like that? So I think it's helpful just to kind of see every level, but it's definitely not necessary if you go to law school and you don't have that experience.
0: So with the LSAT Like, how did you study the first time around in the, I'm assuming you took it the second time after, (laughs) Um, what did, what did you do to like change up your score? Did it change much? Um, And kind of like, what was the LSAT process?
2: Yeah. So I decided to not take a course to save on money. I just couldn't spend thousands of dollars and I'm like if I'm going to take a course I'm going to spend the money so if I don't have the money I'm going to have to self study and just figure that out so that's what I did the first time around I really didn't have any structure honestly, I was like it's a standardized test it's going to be fine let me just try to get some materials together and study I didn't really have a process or a schedule or a structure so I think that's really what threw me off. But the main thing that changed the game, aside from now having a structured process, I used the PowerScore Bible books the second time around. I got on my Amazon. They're amazing. I don't know why I didn't use them the first time. But I also started taking a lot of practice tests. And then I realized that me taking practice tests is kind of my thing. That's how I learned. Um, and that's also what I did in law school when I took the bar exam and I passed the first time, thank God. So getting things wrong made me have to realize what did I do wrong in the first place? Why did I choose the wrong answer? And it ha- made me have to think through that process. And also on LSAC.org, they have practice tests from the actual exam. So when I was taking those, I was like, this is great, because then I was able to see what was I actually not understand if I was going to take that exam. So that was super helpful. I highly recommend taking any type of practice test, specifically ones from the actual people that are going to be giving you the test. Did you uh, use that same technique for law school exams? Absolutely. Um, It's a little different. Law school exams are a whole nother challenge. (laughs) It's a little different but practice exams or just taking like Q&A questions while in law school are super helpful. You might not have a professor that has previous exams that you're able to use. So that might not be similar, but even just using supplement books that have like Barbary, for instance, or Q&As or manual, they have a lot of different practice questions in there. So you can kind of track where you're going because for me, my first year, I did not have any midterms. So it was literally just jumping in there. You have one test, that's it. And I'm like, girl, I do not know how I'm doing. I think I understand, but am I really? So doing those practice tests really helped me. So I did kind of take that from undergrad into all school and it helped.
0: So after undergrad, you took the LSAT and you were like, Well, I want to be a lawyer, obviously. So what led you to want to become a lawyer and go to law school and just start the whole process? Was there an experience that you had that kind of inspired you
2: or was it just like, this is meant to be, you know? Yeah. So it was a combination i feel like deep down maybe i've always kind of been on the lawyer track unknowingly so i'm one of those people that loved watching like law and order i watched perry mason like that's a super throwback but like i loved all the law shows but i was heavily into theater and drama so i was like i'm gonna be an actress i'm gonna be on broadway that's my thing nothing else tops that And then I got to undergrad and they're like, you need to pick a major. And I'm like, so like Broadway isn't a major? Like, what's up? Mm -hmm. So I could have did theater and I was like, okay, what else could I do that relates? So my advisor actually was an attorney and I talked to him and I was like, these are the things that I like. So we just went over my skills and that was super helpful. And he was like, what do you like? like? I like to communicate. I like to write. I like to be persuasive. I like being on stage. And he was like, did you try law? And I'm like sir. Like my grades are not great. I can't do that. So he said, just check out the mock trial team. I ended up checking out and joining the team and I loved it. So that same feeling that I got on stage, I got in the courtroom and I always loved to write and I loved to read. So those natural skill sets that I learned being in the performing arts just kind of carried over into law. So I really like stumbled upon it and then it just worked. <laughs> that's a really cool story. I love that you, uh, you really enjoy Broadway
1: cause I do as well. So that's yes! awesome. Yes! Do um, you think that being on mock trial in undergrad, did you, you know, find that super helpful? And did
2: you do that in law school as well? Yes. So I will say in undergrad, it's different than doing it in law school, not necessarily like the law and the, the language and the structure and the evidence rules, which I learned in law school, but I learned just like the process of being a lawyer and taking a case and what does that look like and um, that I was able to do that. And it also just amplified my public speaking skills and my ability to push through, even if I wasn't quite sure what was going on and also being adaptable. Cause a lot, of Times we go to competition, we're like, We have this perfect script, it's gonna be great. And the judges will be like, We're changing everything. You're like, You're changing what? <laughs> so it, it made me like stand on my feet and just kind of be able to. Uh, navigate through those times when I wasn't quite sure. And it it pushed me to my limit, which I enjoyed. So when I got to go to law school, that was one of my determining factors as to why I chose the school I went to is because they were highly ranked in their national trial team. So I was like, I'm definitely joining the trial team. And luckily for me, when I tried out, you can't try out your first year, but when I tried out my second year, I made the team both years in a row and we actually ranked, we were champions. It was just amazing. I had such a great time on trial team. And that was my favorite part of law school is just not only being in, in like a close knit community, which is, I know it's like kind of weird, but it's like we're in our own little community, our own little family mm-hmm. outside of law school where we could rely on each other. But also it increased my networking because our coaches were judges and were practicing attorneys. So by the time I needed to get a letter of recommendation for the bar exam or look for a job, it was so easy because I already had these connections because of trial team.
1: Yeah. And they knew that you were good at the skill because they had seen you do it over and over again. That's awesome.
0: Exactly. You said that mock trial is one of the reasons that you decided to go to the law school you attended. So Mm -hmm. what was the application process like? And like, how many schools did you apply to? Did you have, did you apply to reach schools? And how did Mm -hmm. that pan out for you? And then your final decision?
2: So I, I love that you asked that because that's how I structured it. I wasn't sure the terms when I was doing it, but then when I talked to my advisor and that's what he told me, he's like, have the reach school, the target school, and then- whatever the third one is. I can't think of it right now, but you have those three categories that you use. So I knew there were some schools that, okay, my GPA is right on target. Also, my LSAT score is right within their median. So I know nine times out of 10, I should be able to get into those schools. So I made sure I applied to some there. Then there were some schools where these are my desired schools where I maybe a little bit out of reach or out of range from their LSAT score and the GPA, or maybe I had one or the other. So that I also consider those reach schools. And then there were the ones where it's the safety schools that's the term safety. So the safety schools where it was like, I'm literally kicking it out of the ballpark with these. My GPA is high, my LSAT score is high on their median. So I applied to, I believe, about 11 schools. For me, it's, it sounds like a lot, but some of it was I wasn't necessarily stuck to one state. So that was a part of my decision. I'm like, OK, where, what location would I want to be in? Absolutely, you can go to a law school in one state and practice in another state. However, you start to build a network in the state you go to law school. It, it just kind of happens. Again, not saying you can't go somewhere else. I see people do it all the time and successfully. And then now you have connections in both states. So there's a benefit there. But I knew I wanted to stay in the South. I'm from Michigan originally, but I knew I liked the South. I knew I wanted to practice in the South. Then I considered, okay, what schools did I get a scholarship in? You know, mm-hmm. what schools, uh, once I found out when I was getting accepted, what schools could I get a scholarship in? And then what schools did I get a scholarship in? Are those schools I'd actually want to attend? I toured almost every school that I applied to because you get a different feel when you're on the campus and you're talking to students that are currently there. And you can actually see what the environment is like because y'all, law school, you are spending so much time, even now virtually. In law school, whether you're at home, on campus, hybrid or whatever, like you spend so much time in that law school that you want to go to a school that you can represent and be proud about and they have a great alumni that's going to reach back and try to help you out. So all these factors are considered and that's how I narrowed down to 11 schools in a few different states. That's
1: awesome. So what ultimately made you choose to go to Birmingham?
2: So I actually had never been to Alabama ever. And I was like, I'm never going there. Like, what's that? I'm staying in Georgia. That was my goal. Then I didn't get my dream school that was on my Georgia list. And I was like, oh, okay. so now what? A representative from Cumberland come to Kennesaw State. And they were like, hey, this is our school. Here's the pamphlets. And I was like, oh, that's cute. The school is cute. Let me just apply, like, whatever. I applied and got in. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. wait, wait. (laughs) I need to tour the school and see, like, is it actually somewhere I'd go? Tour the campus. Sanford campus is beautiful. Like, it is It's amazing. But I'm like, okay, this is cute. But like, what's the school really about? The faculty and staff were amazing. The students are so helpful and nice. But I'm like, okay, that's still not enough. Because what if I don't want to live in Alabama, I need to make sure that there are alum across the states, no matter where I want to go. Do they have a good reputation at this school? And what else can they offer me? They were high ranked in the trial teams. I'm like, great, that's something I want to do. Their reputation is phenomenal, not only in Birmingham, but also in Georgia, where I thought I wanted to go back and several other states. And then pro tip, I looked on LinkedIn, looked at Cumberland, and I saw so many alumni across the states, across the country in several different places. So I'm like, great, I know if I do want to transfer or I do want to go transfer to a different school or even just go to another state to practice, I have a little bit of a cushion and alumni support system that I can use. So and also they were the highest school that they were the school that gave me the most scholarships. So I was like, you know what? All these factors considered, you got my vote. <laughs>
1: Yeah. That makes it a no brainer. I think scholarship is probably like the one thing, the factor that weighs the most. Absolutely, and I mean, definitely. that totally makes sense. And and I think it's interesting too, because I kind of ended up in the same situation. I never really thought I would end up in Oklahoma. And it's the same thing. I got scholarship money and I came and visited and I was like, wow, okay. I really like this. I guess I'll move there. <laughs> so really? I like that our stories <laughs> exactly. align and that we can portray that message. So that's awesome. When you started law school, mm-hmm. Was there anything that you expected and what kind of advice did you get before you started? We'll be right back.
0: Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes,
1: Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries.
0: And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime.
1: Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McBadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go.
1: And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management.
0: What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're
1: ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer.
2: So my number one advice that I got like constantly was to take it one day at a time And at first I was like, that's so simple, like, duh. But (laughs) it's serious because... When you start law school, I remember orientation day, they were like, this is the first day of the rest of your legal career. And you're like, girl, what are you talking about? Like, bye. And then it really is like, even now, like law school and law is such a huge part of my life, no matter what, even if when I was in law school, it's like, I didn't even catch myself. I'd be making like law jokes and my family's like, girl, like, what are you talking about? It's like, I'm sorry. It's just like my entire life. I'm like, (laughs) is that that the testimony today? And it's like, what are you even talking about? I just can't help it. It's just like natural. And it happens so much. So, and then also like law school, the first thing on your mind is like they exam is at the end of the year. So yes. then that really hit me. I really do have to take this one day at a time. I'm not gonna be able to know what I know before exam season, my first or second day, or even third week of school. I have to take it one day at a time to understand. And also the first thing to tell you is like, you need to pass the bar exam. And you're like, I'm just a 1L and today's my first week. I mean, like, can we not with the bar exam? <laughs> so that was advice that I didn't even realize was super important, even though it was simple. And then also, of course, making sure you're reading thoroughly, read the entire case, understand it, read it again if you don't and don't skip over words you don't know. So there were so many times, especially first year, where I'm having to just reread something, not because I'm not necessarily understanding what the whole concept is, but it's because terms that I'm not understanding. So I'm having to look up the Black Law, black Letter Law to look up what these terms means, because later on, it's going to build. It's going to build onto the next ca- classes that I take, and I don't want to get left behind just because I'm like, oh, I'll just skip over that and figure it out later, and then I don't figure it out.
0: <laughs> so what is something that you wish someone would have told you about starting law school?
2: I wish... Someone would have said, you don't have to go the traditional route and you can still be successful. I think this is where law schools kind of drop the ball on things, where they put down our throats on campus interviews, big law, law firm, that's it. When there are so many different fields, areas and avenues that you can be a lawyer, that they need lawyers in those areas that might seem non-traditional, but like they're making just as much or more money and less stress and a better yes. life work-life balance. So yes. law schools just don't stress that. Um, I don't know why, but I think it does make it easier when you have like a one stream kind of lane to have your motivation. So I get where they'd be like, you can do all these things and it could feel like a lot. But then again, they do need to let people know, hey, you don't have to work at the DA's office. You don't have to work at a law firm. You don't have to work in-house counsel. You can create your own thing and build something from it. I love that. I mean- I seriously, we have our, our legal professions, professional
1: responsibility teacher. And, you know, she is a mom with three kids and she does, uh, estate planning. And she's like, guys, you know, why does success have to be a big law firm? You know, being partner, why does it have to be that? And it's like, I didn't ever even think of that, you know? Cause I think even exactly. last year, first year, I thought the same thing. Like I'm not getting an on-campus interview. I'm not going to one of these big law firms. Like, am I even doing anything? And that's so not true.
0: I also just think that when you look up anything about law school, that's kind of what's fed to you by every article is about like, "Mm, if you're not in the top of your class before, you know, 1L years over, good luck trying to find a job. And it's just not true. You know,
2: (laughs) I hate that. I hate that. Because honestly, having a JD, even if we take out the bar factor and you're not licensed, there are so many jobs that are JD preferred. That's already putting you ahead of someone else that even may have the experience, but just because you have a law degree, you don't even realize how much of a different mindset you have until you start talking to like lay people as we call them and start (laughs) discussing different law facts. And you're like, I know so much more that the broad community and society just doesn't know just because the simple fact I went to law school. So a lot of times we just kind of belittle that because we're like, we're in law school. We we're just doing this thing to try to make it. But like, we're really learning a lot of information, even if it seems like we're just getting snippets here and there.
1: Yeah. And I think it's hard to recognize that when you're in the bubble of law school, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So tell us what is like your top productivity
2: tip for like law students in in law school? Like, how are you productive? I am OCD with the to-do list. That's just always been my thing in sticky notes. So sticky notes, I've used that practicing. Like I, what I do long story short, what I do is I make a weekly to-do list. And then from that weekly to-do list, I take Monday and I put things on a sticky note for Monday from that to-do list. So I know that everything that needs to get done that week has a designated day. So it doesn't feel as overwhelming because what I was doing at first was I was making the weekly to-do list on Monday and it's like, girl, there's no way you're going to get 20 things done on Monday. And you really don't even need to. So take those, that 20 thing list for the week and put three, four or five things on Monday, three, four or five things Tuesday. And a lot of times I realize Thursday I've gotten a ton done. Now I can do the extra things that I also need to do. Maybe I need to re-review something that I did on Monday. Maybe I need to go talk with my professor or go have brunch and live and call my mom and call my family because there has to be some type of balance. There's there's no way to get a hundred percent into law school and not give anything into anything else you're going to constantly be pouring from an empty cup because when you're a lawyer all you're going to do is do the same thing you did in law school and you're not going to be able to sustain it it's not going to be realistic for you to live your life build a family actually enjoy everything that's going on especially when things hit us like this pandemic like you have to be able to have a a comfortable and a realistic work-life balance even in law school because it's going to carry over into your career
1: I couldn't have said it better myself that was awesome
0: Thank you. (laughs) So during your three years of school, what were some struggles that you faced? And was there other than mock trial, because I know you said that that was like a highlight of your law school career. Was there any other experience that kind of defined it for you? Maybe like a class that you took or a professor that you had that maybe pointed you in the
2: direction that you want to go in? There were a lot of like different things throughout law school that really brought me to where I am today. One thing was, so when you're, your first year you're in sections so it's it's funny because you have to deal with these same people whether it's good bad or indifferent for an entire year and the first year everyone's like kind of stuck up and you don't really know the person and you have to try to act like you know everything or you're like I just literally don't want to get called on because I'm nervous and then what I loved is that by the second semester we all were like best friends our for my section at least because there were so many times where we got called on first semester and none of us knew that by the time we did second semester we could call on. we're like Let me help you. I can help her. So it was like such a good community. So one thing I loved about law school is like building a network within the section because those were people that I'm still cool with and friends with now that if they have a case and they need a question about, or they have they need to answer about something or they have a client that's just difficult and they're like, can you please help me with how to deal with them? That we have built that kind of colleague relationship, which I really enjoy. So law school, the relationship you build in law school is different than what you build in undergrad because these are people with the same hopefully, like-mindedness. They are respectful. They're ethical, just like you want to be. And they want to go into the same or similar profession that you want to. So that makes it a lot easier to build a network that actually is relatable as opposed to just like friends from undergrad, where I' all doing like random stuff, which is fine too. So that's one thing that I love about it. And also I had a professor who I ended up doing a directed research with her and she was my employment law professor. Mind you, I didn't even know I wanted to do employment law or I was going to do that. And she was just phenomenal and amazing and super intelligent. And she also does like, interviews and articles and things outside of just being a professor which I really value because it made it opened my eyes to realize I can do some traditional things or not even do that I can change my job whenever because she worked at several different schools and did whatever and like she is so amazing and actually was helping write the bill about natural hair discrimination so she's argued down in congress and several different places and also written several articles and like 17 magazine and a lot of different places and it just opened my eyes like There's so much more to just law school with being a lawyer. Being a lawyer opens the doors to so many different things and it doesn't have to be a traditional sense. So I love Professor Green, Professor Wendy Green, shout out to her. I think that that's interesting too, because,
1: you know, most legal correspondents on most news channels or podcasts or anything like that are lawyers. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize that. That blew my mind. So that's, it's interesting. As you get into law school and the legal field, you realize, like you're saying, the job market is so vast and you don't, some of them you don't even need to be licensed. And that's
2: even crazier. Exactly. exactly. And, that, and that's, I wouldn't say more time than not. I think the benefit of going to law school is you have that decision. You can, okay, I'm going to take the bar and be licensed. And even if you're not practicing, you can stay licensed. All you have to do is just pay the annual fee and keep up with your continued learning edu- education credits, which is beneficial because you're able to constantly learn because law is, it's, you're forever a student. And that's yeah. just what it is. Even when you get out of law school, you're like, I am still learning. It's because laws change. But that also is kind of the thing that gravitates a lot of people towards law because it's, you're constantly staying educated, constantly changing, constantly learning. So everyone's always a student. Even people mm-hmm. that have been doing this for 20, 30 years, new lawyers can come in and say, honestly, it changed. And this is something new. Or let me show you how to use Zoom because you might not be aware yeah. of how to use technology or internet. So it's so many different levels to it, which is why I just, I, I just love it. I love law.
1: I know, Same. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: so, okay, tell us now
1: you about graduation. You graduate mm-hmm. law school and it's bar time. So walk us through that process and then the job search before that, after that and
2: the whole bit. Mm-hmm. So... I was really blessed. First year, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to try criminal law because once I decided to go to law school, I'm like, okay, I want to be a DA, like I want to be a cr- prosecutor. but if I do civil, I want to be a pl- on the plain side. So I kind of already knew what side I wanted to be on, but I was open to either. So I got the opportunity to clerk at the DA's office, but after I accepted that, I actually got a job offer from the job that I was previously at. So I couldn't accept that offer because I'd already said yes to the DA for the entire summer. so I said, you know what? thank you so much for the offer. Mind you, I met the attorney that gave me the offer at the law firm volunteering. I was just volunteering with the school. We were at a high school, like talking about being a lawyer and being a law student. And he was like, hey, you should check out our law firm and see how it is. And that's how I built that connection. They gave me the offer. And I said, well, how about I do it next summer? If it's still available, they're like, well, we're not sure. This is kind of like a one-time offer. And I was like, okay, well, I already said yes to the DA. So for me, it was a, I don't want to start off my legal career with saying no to something I've already committed to. So I said, you know what? All right. No, even though the DA was free and that would have been paid, I just stuck to what I said. I said I was going to work the DA's office. It ended up being an amazing opportunity. I was able to sit in on six Criminal trials start to finish. So that just opened my mind to just trial and seeing how that works. And I got to sit with the judge in the chamber and I had never had that experience. And it showed me like, this is just their career. It's just a profession. It's not who they are. They're amazing. They're a regular person. They have to go get dinner for their family after work. Their kid is calling in the middle of trial. So it was able for me to see like the behind the scenes of what I thought was like this prestigious thing, They untouched, they don't talk, they don't laugh, they don't, nothing. And it was like, no, they like burp just like me and you, you know, so (laughs) I loved that. So I reached out to the firm and I was like, hey, I would love to set y'all up for next summer if it's still available. They're like, we'll stay in contact. I met I met with some of the attorneys for lunch and coffee to stay in contact. And they gave yeah. me the offer for the next summer. So that was great. Clerk there all during the year. So fast forward to third year. It was Christmas, December of my third year of going into my last semester. And they gave me a job offer. So I already had my job offer before I graduated, which was phenomenal. Love the firm. Still do. Had an amazing experience. And I was able to already have my job offer lined up. Of course, that adds an extra layer of scared during the bar because you're like, not only am I trying to pass for me, but I'm trying not to be embarrassed, okay, in front of everybody's firm. But my boss was amazing, and he told me, he said, listen, if you don't pass the first time, I think you will. I don't know why you're worried. We'll give you till February. I have friends that were in other firms that her agreement was contingent on her passing. So if she didn't pass the bar in July she went and had a job. Offers so she so yeah. that's something you should always communicate. If you do have a job offer before Smart. you take the bar exam, don't be afraid to just ask because you have to remember lawyers, judges, whoever you're working for that has a law degree, were in your same position. So just be open and honest. And they were like, no, it's fine. You'll have till February for my job. So, so did you take the bar exam in Alabama or like, are you yeah, still I there? did. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so like,
0: what was your study schedule? Like your day to day? I know it's kind of like, from what obviously we haven't studied for the bar but from what yeah. we've seen it's like an all-day thing for like weeks on end and was it like that for you I'm assuming it. yeah was.
2: so I took a trip before which I'm so glad I did just to de-stress because honestly which I don't know I feel like nobody says this but like graduation was hard to celebrate because there's a part of you where you're like, yes, I successfully completed three years. I graduated, I have my Juris Doctor. It's great, everything's phenomenal. But then there's a little bit behind you where like, but you also didn't pass the bar, if that's something you desire. Everybody doesn't want to pass the bar like we're saying. But so it was hard for me to really celebrate law school when I knew there was such a big hurdle I had to get over and a long-term hurdle because I took it in July. I didn't know till the end of September. So there was like this just weird feeling during that time took a break, went on a trip. It was great. I got to de-stress and I jumped right in. So the first few weeks of bar prep actually weren't that bad. And it kind of made me nervous. I was like, wait, I'm finishing all the assignments, doing extra thing. And then like it hits you. So at first I would maybe study, I would say five hours a day, which I was like, this is sustainable. Seven days a week, no days off, by the way. So Sunday through Saturday. And then about, I would say, so that was at the end of May. So once June hit, I mean, it was seven hours, 10 hours, 12 hours consistently, 12 hour days, seven days a week studying. So I'm a morning person. And I also think there's no perfect way to set it up. If you're a morning person, do that. If you're not with the bar exam, you have that flexibility. So use it to your strengths, but closer to the time you need to start studying in the morning because the exam is in the morning. So you don't want to just study in the afternoons and then the exam is in the morning. You're not awake and you're not able to do your full capacity because you're not used to studying. So I would get up about seven a.m. workout, do some type of physical, even if it was just a stretch or a bootleg yoga, y'all. I'm not that great with yoga, but I tried to do something to keep the stress away. Um, And then I would study from eight or nine until like five or six, but I would have like a lunch break somewhere in there. And then I'd take a break at like six or or seven, five or six, kind of just depend. And then I'd start studying again on something smaller that I could do like in bed while watching something. So I made it. I made a choice to not do too much like binge watching. Some people can like binge watch where they're studying. I didn't do that, but I left my time towards the end of the night where I could do like flashcards or review the answers that I answered during the day and see what I got wrong during the night. So I still was having that kind of like relaxing at the end of the night, but still reviewing things and preparing for the next day. So the to-do list or the sticky notes, like I was saying, I would look at my week during the night and start to schedule that out at night so in the morning I was ready to go I didn't have to take time in the morning to schedule what am I studying today what are the to-do lists because I took Barbary and they provide you a study schedule so I made sure I already had that ready for the next morning instead of having to prepare that next morning and that set me back in the day if that makes sense
1: I think that's a good technique to do like in practice as well because it nothing's nicer than being able to just walk in in the morning and be able to sit down and start working
2: Exactly. And I definitely yeah. did that practicing. It's, it makes a huge, even in law school, it makes a huge difference because it's harder to get going when you have to prepare to get going the day of you have to get going because other things are going to happen. but so with practicing, you, you can have a to-do list and all that, which I'm all for too, but there's going to be something that's going to come up. So mm-hmm. you have to add that in. Okay. I'm going to leave a few blanks. Like I'll have little blanks next to my like little circles that I make a check because I know there's going to be other things that need to be filled in that day.
0: So after the bar exam, and you pass it, of course, um, you start working at the firm that gave you your job during school. So what is your day-to-day as a lawyer, like a practicing attorney now?
2: So it varied. And also, you know, COVID comes through things off. But essentially, again, I'm a morning person, but being a lawyer, you don't have to clock in. You don't have a certain amount of time you had to be at work or time you have to be at work. However, as a new lawyer, you, you kind of do. So the mindset in a lot of firms is you want to beat the partner you work for. So um, as an associate attorney, you're under a partner. So you don't want to get there and they're already there. That's just like, you, just don't, you don't want to do it. It happens and things happen and that's fine, but they will have something they need you to do. And they will come to your office if you're not there. Like you, it's, just, it, it's awkward. So mm-hmm. I tried to get to work between 7 and 8.30 That's usually kind of like my sweet spot with getting to work because I knew my boss, he he comes in like 9 to 10. So I kind of like kind of figured out how he does that and scheduled my time around that. Again, of course, something comes up, just communicate it and that's fine. Day to day, it's a first thing you do is check your calendar because things change. In law school, they teach you civil procedure, 14 days to reply. Things get continued. Things get changed. Judges get changed. People get sick. Clients don't show up. So it's not as easy, which I realize. It's not as easy to keep track of time as law school makes it seem, because it's like such structured deadlines. Those aren't that structured, and they ain't that the deadlines don't work like that. A lot of times, you have a schedule that the you and the judge, you opposing counsel and the judge set up. So now you have your scheduling order that the judge sends out, and this is what we go by, not necessarily what the law is. Because what the law is, is that's the floor and not the ceiling. So you may have the floor, okay, 14 days. But this judge is like, okay, there's 20 plaintiffs because we did some class action. There's 20 plaintiffs in here. I know you're going to need 20 days and not 14 or not 15 to be able to get the discovery done. Boom. So now we have this extra time. So then I have to check the calendar. Luckily, I had an amazing paralegal, literally the best paralegal to date. Mind you, I worked at several law firms and I saw not so great ones. So she was phenomenal. Always updating the calendar. Always check your email. So I tried to do that early. And another reason why you want to get there early before people are starting to come to the office, because then people can't bother you. There will be things you need to do that you won't be able to do during the day because people are going to be in and out of your office. If you need to finish up a motion, you're going to have to do that early before people come in because as soon as your boss gets in, there's a client downstairs I need you to talk to. Or there's a client on the phone, you're on the phone for three hours trying to just like take out some fires because there's always something. Um, or you're having to do some research that's due, everything's due immediately from like eight different people, so... Um, but most of the days consist of a lot of researching for me at least, because employment law is heavily fact-driven. So there's no perfect case ever. There's never going to be a perfect case because it's always super fact-driven. So some research, lots of drafting documents as a plaintiff's attorney, complaints, always drafting complaints, drafting the EEOC charges, and then EEOC process is six months out. So it's just kind of managing when um, when the deadlines really hit, because as soon as the EEOC is done with cases, you have 90 days to file a complaint. If you haven't already done the research, whether or not you for sure want to file a complaint for that uh, plaintiff, that's a whole another thing you need to add on. Discovery may be just coming in. You only have a short amount of time to handle that. Um, And then also meeting with your boss and learning. So as a new lawyer, you're going to spend so much time outside of work because you're still learning. You could have a lot of stuff to do, but it's mostly because you're not understanding what you're doing. So that's another layer you have to learn. So yes, I may know the basics of Title VII, but I'm going to have to do additional research outside of me just drafting this complaint because I'm not as familiar. I haven't been doing this for so long. That was a long answer, but it varies. Every day is different. Every day is different.
0: When do you have time to like do your hobbies and all that stuff? Do you just wait till the weekend?
2: Yeah, so I try to batch, as far as YouTube and stuff like that, I try to batch record or just batch do content. So usually Saturdays are like my, I'm just, in it, So I'm like recording three or four videos, making sure my Instagram posts are already done Saturday, Sunday. And sometimes after work, I have to do that. It just, it, it, it depends. It becomes, okay, sacrifices here. Maybe I'm not able to go to brunch or I'm not able to meet up with a friend or I'm not able to do that because I'm trying to juggle two things. And also I just make it be intentional about it and plan ahead. So if I know I have a friend's birthday coming up and I'm going to her with the lake, that's just what it is. So what work do I need to get done bef- so that I'm able to go there and actually enjoy Sometimes you got to just bring your laptop, bring your phone with you because you're going to have to do a little bit of work, but still able to enjoy and do something that you can kind of work on and still enjoy in the moment.
1: So you talked about interning at the DA's office and then you ended up working at the firm after. So what were your thoughts whenever you worked at the DA's office? And then, you know, obviously you didn't end up in criminal law. You ended up in employment law. So how did that make its way and how do you feel about it now?
2: Yeah, so I... I love criminal law. I think it takes a certain type of person to deal with that level of stress, so to say, on a daily basis. We're talking, so civil law, we're talking money. Yes, that's important. Yes, that can be devastating. And yes, that can highly impact people's lives, which I've seen, especially on an employment level. A lot of us attach our who we are to our place of employment, which is horrible, but you know, that's the reality of it. But on the criminal side, you're deciding like life or death. Essentially, what, are you yes or no? Are you going to jail for a certain amount of time? So I think it just it takes a different type of person to handle that. And I wasn't sure if I was that type of person. Daily, how would I be able to detach from my work? So and I wasn't sure if I would able to be able to do that. I think I think I could have. I think I could and still probably could. But that was definitely something I um, factored in. As well as the money is usually less when you work for the state or for the government. That was something I definitely factored in. And then I also found out that just because you have a public interest job, that doesn't mean you automatically get the public interest forgiveness. So you have to apply for that, which I did not know. I thought, If you work public public interest, your loans are going to be automatically forgiven. And that's just not the case. You have to apply every year. So I was like, "Mm, that's something to calculate in as well. Employment law, what I love about it is that employment law, technically a lot of things we deal with like civil rights, race, sex, gender, sexual orientation now, thank God, shout out to Supreme Court. Lots of different things you can um, deal with that have a criminal underlining, but we just sue civilly. So I was able to kind of get that feel and void for like ooh, kind of criminal law. I'm just having to be suing for money. But a lot of times we send stuff to criminal defense attorneys to be able to handle on the criminal side. So I loved kind of seeing the best of both worlds with that.
1: I love that. I didn't even think about that. That's so true because especially like you're saying with all the the new things, like it's going to be so different and that is usually where it happens in your place of employment right so yeah. you end up having and so you mentioned sending it out to criminal defense attorneys um do or do you ever send stuff to you know the DA's office and tell them like hey you should prosecute this company or like how, you know anything like that i just yeah so don't know it, that it works.
2: depends um i personally haven't but i've seen other attorneys do it absolutely absolutely that that's not uncommon especially for like police brutality issues so yeah. strict civil rights we do again we focus heavily more on employment. But I mean, that could definitely overlap into several other statutes and several other issues.
1: Do you ever see certain clients walk in with like an employment issue and you think, wow, this is a lot more than just an employment issue?
2: Absolutely. And yes, on the good side and the bad side. So we see clients come in and it's like, oh, wow, we, we need to send you to someone else to get further help. Or it's like, you don't have anything. And that's more times than not. I didn't realize, I'd say about 80% of the time, it's, it's a no, it's not a case. Not because oh what happened to them isn't valid or what happened to them isn't bad or wrong, but I have to always give this horrible speech of just wrong isn't illegal. Um, and that's the unfortunate yeah. fact of a lot of things. And I hate doing that because the clients, if, yeah. when you're going through something, it's heavy. It's, it's the worst thing that ever happened to you. You finally built up the courage to call an attorney and then you're let down. So I try to do my best to inform them of everything was going on. It's because there were factors that the law requires that you just don't meet. I don't want you to make up facts or you just haven't been there long enough to meet the statute requirement for you to even sue under the statute It's just a variety of different mm. things. And a lot of people don't understand that they just haven't been to law school. All they hear is they don't want to take my case. And it's like, yeah, that's the general gist. but it's more to it. That's the why. It's it. not that I don't want to.
1: It's that I, I legally there's can't. No yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: And then I, I I even break it down to like, there's no damages. It's not going to be a benefit For you, me, or anyone, because what you'll get a hundred bucks, but you'll be in this for two years, it's not worth it mentally, physically, and emotionally, for sure.
0: You are a YouTuber and an influencer. So, how did that all begin? Like, when did you decide that you wanted to start a YouTube channel, and how, like, what is it like now? Like how much have you grown?
2: So I looked this up like a couple weeks ago and I uploaded my first YouTube video, October 6th, 2014. And I was like, wow, 2014, that's crazy. So I watched YouTube videos. I feel like like everyone, I just watched like random YouTube videos. And then I found like the beauty gurus and they were like doing hair and makeup. I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna do my makeup. I was in like college. I'm like, yes, I'm gonna do my hair. I'm gonna do this. And then people was like, you should just start a YouTube channel. I was like, girl, no, I'm not doing that. I would never do that. Then like a year later, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so I would just talk about hair and like makeup and like outfits and like clothes and like that's it. Then I, I saw this world of vlogging. So then I started like just picking up my camera when I would do different things in college. Like, okay, going to my trial team. Like, yeah, okay, now we're going to the beach. Like, just doing things like that. Then I got to law school and I was like, well, all I'm doing is wearing sweatpants and my hair's in a bun. I can't do these makeup and hair videos, so I'm going to have to just pick up the camera and talk about law school. Then I realized, oh wow, people are like actually asking me questions about law school, like this is a thing you want to know how to do it. So then I was like, okay, let's do a Q&A. And ever since then, I've been talking about law school, my experience, how to get through it, and I just showed like behind the scenes like, okay, I'm in class, like, hey, <laughs> my trial. Okay, I just feel like I failed the test, like crying and all the works. Like I just was so open and honest and I think that's what gravitated people towards me, which I'm like, I'm literally just talking to y'all like I would, would do my friends. I don't know. But if y'all like it, I love it. Um And then also when I started, it wasn't a way to get paid that, that I knew of. So I didn't start making money for my YouTube channel until like 2016. So I've been doing it for two years or maybe like mid-2015. It's so like a year and a half, like not getting any money, just doing it, loving it, staying consistent and enjoying it. And I also like I said, I have art back, performing arts background. So that was able to like fill this, creative void that I was missing in law school. And once I decided to do the law track, I kind of like exited out of all that and I stopped doing theater and plays. And I was like, okay, I need to focus on law school. I need to be this lawyer and this. And then I was like, what? I could do both. So that's really kind of what started it.
1: <laughs> how did you manage running your YouTube channel and being in law school? Like that's the question. I know we get that about the
0: podcast. So yeah. how do you get yeah. like that with your YouTube? And I can only imagine because, you know, I only edit audio. I feel like video is just probably takes so much longer. And mm. I already know it takes us so long to do what we do. <laughs> so I can only imagine how it was for you
2: honestly, it's easy to do something when you love it. It's so easy to make time and figure it out and say no to a lot of things. So law school was always priority, like always priority, but I loved this creative thing. I had been doing it for so long that it just felt like I just had to keep doing it. I, cause I started in 2014, like I said, and then I started law school in 2016. So I was already like in a rhythm of doing it. And it just felt like, how could I let go of something that I built and by the time, by 2016, I think I had like 30,000 subscribers and now I'm at 75,000, which I'm just like, oh my God, all these people. And it, it you just make sacrifices. So there were, there's there been times even now that I just have to say no and I just can't go. Or I'm just, I'm my friends are like, you're yeah, just so boring. And it's like, I'm building something else right now and I'm young I don't have kids right now. So to me, this is the time for me to make these type of sacrifice spices. So then later on, I'll be able to reap the benefits that I'm sowing right now. So it's tough. I can't lie. It's it's tough. There's a lot of, I'm only sleeping three hours this day. A lot of, I'm just on go, go, go. As soon as I wake up, it's, I got to hit the ground running and do 175,000 things. But again, when you love something, it doesn't even feel like work. It doesn't feel like anything. It just feels like this great hobby you also happen to make money from.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I I think that that's really interesting too. Do you feel that way do you feel as if your influencer career has helped you in your legal career or has kind of blended now? Because I mean, basically when you start picking up the camera and videoing in law school, I mean, at that point it's one and the same. So right. do you feel like that, you know, going to law school helped that and, you know? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So I think when I first started my channel, I just was doing it just whatever. Like, yeah, I was giving tips on hair tips and I was growing my natural hair and I was trying out different wigs and that like wasn't a thing then. And then now it is. And trying different makeup products and all those things, which is great. But then I started law school and it, it added an additional purpose to what I was doing. It wasn't just that, oh, we're just having fun, which is great and just beauty stuff. But it was like, okay, now I have this different element that I actually am changing lives. Like I'm giving helpful feedback where people are now deciding to go to law school because I, I said I went or they're actually applying to Cumberland School of Law because I went or they're actually able to get through the LSAT or they're able to start their own channel or whatever the case, it, it put a layer of just purpose that I feel like I didn't necessarily not have, but I didn't really have a focal point on my platforms until I went to law school. So now I always say like law school built the foundation to my platforms. Yes, I had an audience, but now I have a purpose to go with my passion and it just, it it makes it the world of a difference. Um, And anything that I do, the foundation is because I'm a lawyer, because I'm able to give these tips. I'm able to show the best of both worlds because I've been influencing and concentrating for so long. Now I have this lawyer aspect. So now I can also help my influencer friends with their contracts because I have this law aspect as well as now I'm going to help law students get through law school and show them if you want to go to the traditional route, let me give you tips on that. If you don't, let me give you tips on that. And we can make the best of both worlds happen for anybody.
1: You you make me really excited because I think, you know, we have grown this brand and we have that purpose too. And putting that content out for people in law school is so beneficial for listeners and watchers and subscribers, but also for us, because it gives us that feeling of validation and purpose. And it's just so fun people like, and I love how you answered that question. Exactly. How we answer that question is like, well, it's easy to do it when you love it. Like it's easy to do. it. It is. Yeah. You
2: want to sit down and do that. So exactly. And I think like the legal field, which it makes it difficult now, but I think over the next few years, it will change where it's a little bit more accepting, but it has been difficult to explain kind of what i do outside of law at first i was kind of oh no it doesn't it doesn't relate or like you were saying but it really does relate to me being a lawyer and lately recently it kind of hit me like a lot of people still don't get it they don't understand the value of social media they don't understand the value of people like all of us right now talking about law school cuz it's such like this phenomenon or this distant thing. Like I said, when I was sitting in the chambers with the judges, like, oh wow, they like they laugh. I know that sounds weird, but like mm-hmm. you're just a regular person. So I love that there's been so many people, and I'm not saying I was the first lawyer or law student to talk about the journey, but like there's been so many people that have been making podcasts, YouTube videos, and it's needed. Like I'm always encouraging people, if you if that's something you desire to do, do it because you never know who you're going to reach. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be this secret society of getting in law school that no one knows. Share these tips, share these resources. Everyone should have this knowledge. Even if you don't necessarily want to go to law school, there's so much that we all can learn from each other. And just to watch people that are doing it successfully helps. So listening to your podcast, I know, I'm sure you guys hear over and over from different students, like, thank you for sharing this or thank you for doing this. It's because it can feel like a lonely journey or a journey where you can't relate to anybody. But there's so many of us out here, like if we all talked about our journey. There's someone that would relate.
0: I mean, I remember when I was about to apply to law school and I was telling Haley this the other day, I was like, I watched this girl on YouTube and like, there's not many out there. There's like really only like barely a handful of like YouTubers that are actually like posting consistently talking about law school. And I felt like, um, like when you look it up, we actually had a listener to ask us to look through articles about what law school is like. And mm-hmm. none of them are accurate. They're all they're all like written by these people who genuinely just think law school is like this horrible Shit. path. And like, mm-hmm. like like I said before, if you're not in the top ten, like too bad, like your life's over. Yes. But yeah, I definitely think it's a needed niche or niche. Yes. Is it niche or niche? I don't know.
2: Niche, niche. I say in both yeah. ways. Exactly. <laughs> Either or. T- oh, tomato, yeah. tomato. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay.
1: So you mentioned helping your other influencer friends. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that because, you know, contracts, you know, yep. So, do you find yourself writing your own contracts for brands and, you know, helping other people? Do you have like a template? Mm-hmm. Is that a, like a time consuming thing? How does that go? Yeah.
0: So along with that question, when you first started getting influencer contracts before you were an attorney, because I guess mm-hmm. this kind of like a personal question. Like, yeah. What do you look for in those contracts? Like, do you, did you get an attorney to draft them up for you at that point mm-hmm. when you were in law school? And how did that work?
2: Over the years, I kind of created my own template unknowingly. And then now people act, they're like, hey, do you have a template? I'm like, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I just do a ton of research, a ton. Again, when you love something, you want to learn more about it. So it's easy for me to spend 8, 20 hours a week. It's crazy. But doing research on making my content better um, navigating through the content creating space, working with brands, negotiating contracts, all that. Like I just do so much research daily on that aside from like law, cause it's just a lot <laughs> on both sides. But the more I do research, the more I was able to learn these terms that I need to look out for. So when they ever, same kind of method when I was in law school, if I come across a word I don't understand, I look it up. There's no shame. If I don't understand what perpetuity means, cause do we all really even know what that means? Barely. <laughs> but like I'm constantly in looking it up just like I did with law school, which is a skill that I was able to take from law school and bring it over here. So like I was saying with like undergrad, there's so many things that you learn along the way that you can apply to where you eventually wanna become. So I would, my first, I think sponsorship, they provided me the contract. So that also helps. So I was able to see kind of how they structured it. I still edited because that was one thing I knew like uh-uh, you, they're gonna, there's going to be something to edit. For sure. But over the years, I've seen so many contracts. I've sent so many contracts. I've made so many mistakes. I've seen friends make mistakes that I was able to get to a point where I'm comfortable with the contract that I present and I'm comfortable with being able to negotiate and edit and revise and redact things in a contract that even a big brand sends me. Like, I, like I've worked with like some pretty big brands and I have no shame with saying, oh no, I'm not doing this exclusivity. You're not, I'm not dealing with this clause. Like this isn't correct. And then now as a lawyer, I even have more confidence in doing it because like, no, actually, this is illegal or no, actually, this is completely inaccurate and things like that. So it definitely helps having the, the downfalls from making mistakes as an influencer and being a young creator that wasn't a lawyer and then now knowing exactly what I need as a lawyer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's an invaluable skill that you have now. And, and it's so nice. I'm sure to be able to help other people do that as well, because, you know, I think just like you said, the exclusivity clause or certain clauses, like lay people won't look for that. And they just sign on the dotted line. And and then we end up getting a call and it's your best friend. And you're like, why did you do this? So exactly. yeah, I, I can totally imagine that it's it's a good, it's a good feeling too. not only are you helping your clients, but you're also helping people that you care about.
2: Absolutely. And then a lot of creators are young. Like I've seen YouTube videos and it's like you're 18, you got your first big break, you grew overnight, you have a hundred thousand subscribers, you got this contract, you signed it without reading it. And then now you're stuck for a year and you can't accept another brand collaboration. And you didn't read the contract. You didn't know that. Yeah. So also for me, it's, it's a it's an ability for me to merge both the things that I love and also still do the factor of giving back and helping but utilizing both of my skill sets and creating something kind of new like I know there's a lot of people that do it and even some attorneys that are creators as well but um I'm all I'm all for the what's for you is for you so just because there's someone else that's doing it I can still do it in a way that works for me and my audience
0: so what are some goals for your channel
2: oh that's so hard um Of course I want to hit a hundred thousand subscribers. Like I hate to be with the numbers, but that would be nice. And the number really only matters for brands. It puts a layer of respect on your channel, Of course, but I definitely want to stay consistent. Like I have been and continue to build an authentic and genuine community and help as many people as I can. I, I've always been the, I don't care if I, one person says, thank you for what you said. That's enough for me. There's just so many, so much resources, networking skills that I can just pour into people and having a platform. The more people that are on there, the more people I can reach and the more people I can pour into. So aside from like that, I don't have, I haven't really thought of any like goals. I don't think, um, but yeah, just to keep doing it and loving what I'm doing. Yeah. What about your personal goals? What are your, What are those? You know, so, kind of similar, but I want to be able to establish a lane for myself where people know that's what cameron does i love employment law but i realize my heart and soul is in content creating. but how can i add on my law degree which is where the influencer contracts and agreements kind of comes in so i want to establish like a lane where it's like that's her area of expertise cameron's the lawyer cameron's the creator that helps creators that's my goal both i guess on channel and in personal right now i love that
1: that's awesome. So tell everybody where they can find you, and you know what what platforms you are most on and everything.
2: Absolutely. So you can find me at Cameron Monet on YouTube as well as Instagram. Also, I just launched my first Facebook membership group, so I'm really excited. It's called the Legal T Social. The Legal T Social. Oh <laughs> It's, it's basically uh, like the ultimate networking community for prospective and current law students. I'm going to have guest speakers, judges, attorneys, law school admissions officer, I already have like the lineup set and people that I've talked with. Um, again, like I always say, I never had one mentor, but I've had so many mentors along the way that I'm still in contact with that I'm like, how do I share all this? And the best thing I thought for right now is going to be a mentorship group. Eventually, I want to make it like an annual summit or conference, but, you know, we can't really go anywhere. But that's the goal is to make the Legal T Social a genuine networking community, not only where I can pour resources, but where students can pour resources because you never know who you may come across. They may be, be the next Supreme Court justice. You just never know. So I'm excited about that. And you can go to CameronRenee.com slash the Legal T Social to join us.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cameron. This was awesome. Uh, You got me so excited. I love that we got to sit down and talk to you. And I think you gave such great insights for people who are going to start going to law school soon and also starting their career. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I mean, for me, it's been really cool because I did watch you like when I was applying to law school and stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, it's full circle. And I never, I never thought that when I'd go to law school, like I'd be doing this kind of stuff and like talking to people that like I look up to and like other influencers, mm,
2: yeah.
0: quotations because you know we're we yeah, know know. yeah. exactly. Yeah. But um yeah, it's been really nice just hearing your story and journey, and I can relate. And I think a lot of people are going to relate with you because I mean that's what it's all about, right? You put it out there, yeah. be relatable, and yeah. I mean I've said it before;
2: it's a much needed space. Yeah absolutely i agree thank y'all so much for having me thank you i'm i'm new to the podcasting thing so i hope this went well oh no but thank you all so much for having me i love that y'all are doing this podcast it's so important um and i know you guys are reaching so many people so i'm just really excited to see y'all grow thank you
1: that's like thank you so much oh baby
0: Wow. I mean,
1: that was such a great interview. She's literally the cutest and most fun thing. I want to go to Birmingham and hang out with her like immediately.
0: I know. It was just so fun. Um, it was like talking with a, someone we've known for a long time, you know? Yeah. It was, she was so cool and relatable. It's, yeah, but then everyone has their
1: own little twist on it, and I think something I really appreciate about her is how open and real she is Mm -hmm. about herself and everything that she's going through, and also she just thoroughly enjoys, you know, talking to a camera and filming herself and basically helping out other people understand law, and I think that that is just so cool because it's really hard to
0: talk to a camera. Oh, yeah. I'm sure by now you guys have probably seen her Day in the Lives, and if you haven't, you're about to see some like mine and another person and it's so hard to talk into the camera you guys if you haven't done it before I don't know if it's just because we're not into like the whole like tiktok thing and all of that but yeah it's
1: it's work I think it takes some getting used to and she also described like talking to it like um it was her friend and I can totally see her like just continuously having that conversation like we were one of her best friends from law school or undergrad and she was just giving us the lowdown and it was so cool. So definitely make sure and check her out. And,
0: um, yeah, we have a few more announcements for you guys. So as usual, you guys should check out our merch. Um, that's at ladies Sometimes we have deals going on and so you should Definitely check that out before the holidays come up. It's a great gift to get for someone who, you know, is about to be a future lady lawyer or is a lady lawyer. There's both, so... Yeah, and we're going to have a
1: few more pieces drop as the months continue before, you know, maybe around Thanksgiving-ish time. So just in time for Cyber Monday. (laughs) So be on the lookout for that, you guys. Um, If you also have any ideas of certain merch that you'd like, you know, like actual items, let us know because we're always open to that and, you know, looking for new things to add. We, you know, cycle in and out of different items just because of what you guys think and how they look whenever they come in so yeah like I said just let us know and we hope that you guys enjoy your merch that you've gotten so
0: far and if you do buy merch make sure to post it on your Instagram story and tag us because we will repost it but on that note follow us on Instagram at ladies who law School podcast we also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group that you can join the link is in our show notes well guys have a safe and healthy week
1: I know that a lot of you guys are out there studying your butts off. I know we are. So keep up the hard work and we will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Bye.